You're listening to Human Rights Talks, organized by the Montreal Institute for Genocide and Human Rights Studies. This episode is a recording of our event, Uyghurs Under Threat. In part two, we will be hearing from our witness panel. Thank you for joining us. We are now going to move to the second panel. So I would like to um, invite the chair, Francine Pelletier. Francine is a, 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 is a well-known journalist in Quebec, Montreal, Canada. Um, she writes for Le Devoir, a very important uh, French language newspaper. Uh, she's also um, uh, in, uh, has a position at Concordia University's School of Journalism. And if I'm not correct, you're just named Concordia's Journalism in Residence. I hope I'm not incorrect on that, Francine. Um, so we're now going to ask, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave the studio. We're going to ask Francine to, um, to uh, introduce the panelists. And thank you very much. First of all, I'd like to introduce Minerigul Tursun, who is a camp survivor from Shishan. I'm mispronouncing that too. Please, uh, please uh, bear with me. Um, and uh, Adrian Zentz, who's a German anthropologist and senior fellow in China studies um, in Germany. Um, I would now like to give you your, uh, both of you, your, your five minutes. You can speak, you can more or less introduce yourself, uh, your, your, your situation, your work, etc. So I would like to start with you, Ms. Tursun. Tell us about yourself. Hi, everyone. I'm happy to join with everyone uh, talk about Uyghur issue here. Uh, my name is Mihrigo Tursun, and I am now living in the uh, United States in Washington, D.C. here. Uh, I am actually uh, come from East Turkestan, uh, a Chinese government so-called for Xinjiang. And uh, I born 1989, December 28, in the Chechen County in East Tur Turkestan. So, uh, from uh, 2015 to uh, 2018, uh, December 23, I was in um, in uh, East Turkestan, the detention camp in China uh, uh, camp. I was uh, in camp uh, three times. Total is more than 11 months. Uh, so. Uh, that's all about me. Um, my situation is actually I I I study in China in my middle school, small, uh, high school, university, and the 20, uh, 2011, I came to Egypt, uh, Cairo, British University, for study uh, administration, uh, business administration, uh, for bachelor, and I get married in Egypt. I have triplet. Then 2015, March 12, because uh, because I want uh, my my parents want me come back to uh, East Turkestan to visit them. So because this issue, I take my uh, born 45 days uh, only for this uh, triplet, two boy, one girl. Uh, uh, triplet with my kids together. I go back to my hometown. 2015, March 12. When I when I arrive to uh, for Istokstan Urumqi Airport, from that time, the, the Chinese police taking uh, way to my triplet and they take me to present. 
So uh, this is uh, 2015 to until 2018. I am in blacklist. I don't have ID. I cannot use ID. They are the police put me blacklist. I I cannot have um, freedom to talk with anyone or go anywhere. Uh, I uh, I cannot use phone, cell phone. Uh, so I cannot go outside from my homeland, uh, from church and small city to anywhere without Chinese permission. And uh, that time I was uh, detention camp uh, three time, and uh, I have uh, this time I have get torture and beating and uh, electric charge, and uh, I lost one of my son when he, he has the. Uh, four months born four months that time the Chinese, uh, i was in in the camp that time the chinese government without asking me anything they they get this uh, for surgery for my uh, trip uh, three kids all of them but one of one passed away and uh, so yes and uh, and uh, in this camp i get the uh, electric charge and beating and uh, uh, of course, we have a lot of stress and get torture. And uh, I was in one cell, like 430 square small cell. I was 68 women together. And uh, they, they give us every one week one medicine. And uh, every uh, every 14 days, give our one injection in the different people and a different kind of injection, but we don't know about what is this injection. And uh, they take uh, us all hair. And uh, I was a uh, witness for uh, three months, uh, nine women dead and with me one cell. And uh, of course, have another every two, three days, they taken outside from prison uh, a young girl again, and they uh, attend a new woman, and uh, some of the take outside again, they attend a new woman. We don't know about when the police take out from prison, this uh, girl or woman, where's going on, what happened for them, we don't know, we don't have information about them. But in a, with me, stable cell, I witnessed nine women die, and uh, yeah. After uh, 2018, uh, 2018, um, 2018 March, because of my uh, have another life, two kids, uh, they are born in Egypt because of this issue. Uh, I was short time to uh, with the document come to Egypt because one sent my kids to Egypt and they must become uh, go back to China. And at that time, they take from my father, mother, and the sister, brother, and from my home, uh, my, my family, 26 people to present. So if I go, uh, send my kids to Egypt, must be two months uh, inside, come back. If I come back, and then they will release all my family. If I don't come back, uh, they will uh, they will can as the Chinese government can find me from any country anywhere for, can find me and then I they they can kill me and uh, I cannot have uh, and my all my family also have life is dangerous so I promise for Chinese government and the right all um, multiple people assigned people because I yeah I will come back I don't tell anything about any about what I see in prison anything. Then I came to Egypt, but in, I came to Egypt uh, 
uh, the Egypt government wanted me must be go back, and the Chinese government wanted me uh, come back to China. But that time is I contacted with Egypt, uh, the American embassy, and um, this is a journalist in the U.S. So because this, and they helped me with my two kids to America. So I came to United States 2018, December 23. Yeah, and now I am with my kids, two kids in life in the United States. But I lost all contact with my father, mother, sister, brother, all my family from 26 people. I get information about from this 26 people from my family, five of dead already. And another of, I don't know what about their life or no. I don't have any information. Yeah. Because of time issue, I just talked about like a short. Yeah, if you have any question, you can ask. Yeah, me. I, I, I'd like to ask you a few questions. There's, uh, it, there's a lot. That it, yeah. So much, it's hard to know where to begin. I, my first question would be: when you when you went back to East Turkestan from Egypt, did you know that you were possibly going to be imprisoned and and facing? all the horrible things you've just described. No, no, actually, I don't have any information about, so I don't know anything. Just I take from phone call from my parents. They say, uh, we understand you have give, you give the baby, but we need you coming. Uh, we need to see you and your, your kids. Uh, yeah, because this, uh, I don't have, I don't think about, I have like this in my, in my life, yeah. So it hadn't, when you arrived, the repression had just begun. Is, is that what we, is it, was it a, your, your family had not been in prison. They didn't know uh, that there would be this kind of ordeal that you would be facing. Uh, no, uh, zero, uh, actually, I think zero know about anything because when I 2015, uh, March 12, when I arrived to Beijing airport, then in, in Beijing airport, they asked me about three hour question, a lot question. They don't give me my kids, like what, what I go to outside another country, what I do in this country and how, how many Uyghur I know. A lot of question, but I don't, I don't know. Of course, they ask this question. I don't know. I just answer. I don't know. Then, uh, they, then from Beijing airport, they have two Chinese officials. They say they want to help me to, uh, my kids bring me Urumqi. And at that time, I don't know. Also, these two people coming with me, they are police. So they come mm -hmm. with me, carry my two children. Uh, we come to Urumqi airport. Just we arrived at Urumqi airport. And they take my, uh, uh, a triplet and uh, they show me some ID, say, uh, don't say anything, come with us, we are police. Okay. Yeah, so and then, and then, yeah, from airport to see, take me off, uh, at my head, put black hood and then my hand, handcap, and this take my mouth to take me directly the Urumqi present. Okay, I would like to uh, hear from Adrian Zenz before we continue uh, with you, Ms. Uh, Torsen. Uh, so, Mr. Zenz, if you could um, explain a little bit your work on the issue uh, and how you see this, uh, the situation in East Turkestan. Yes, well, thank you for having me. Um, let me sort of give a little overview. I was uh, supposed to introduce uh, my work mm -hmm. and... Uh, give a big picture. So I started by looking at um, Chinese government documents, primarily for Tibetan regions, and uh, initially in relation to public recruitment, um, especially with a view of analyzing minority employment and uh, the minority education system. By analyzing public recruitment and looking at government documents, I 
um, <clears throat> discovered a significant increase in security-related recruitment. This was not really a topic that I had um, focused on previously. I also looked at budgets, at spending, and um, discovering just a, a real increase in security, uh, police recruitment and, and uh, recruitment for different security forces, the justice system, etc. cetera. Uh, this led to a research on much of the same in Xinjiang, um, starting in 2016, which was a very crucial phase for that particular development. It was a, it was a, a very complex research uh, looking in Xinjiang also at um, different sets of data to understand police recruitment. And then this really then also was the time when the re-education campaign started uh, in 2017. That turned out to be then a more complex and sort of creative undertaking from a research perspective. Approaching a sort of a secretive or sensitive topics requires approaching it from different angles and in different ways um, to understand what was going on with the internment, the mass internment of Uyghurs and others in camps in 2017. A key source turned out to be earlier reports uh, from 2013 to 16 that were more forthright about the early uh, trial, the early sort of attempts, the piloting of re-education in different settings. There were also academic papers, there was budgets, there was some recruitment documents, there was public bid documents that turned out to be a key source of information uh, along with satellite um, analysis. <clears throat> Much of the same research approach uh, proved to be pertinent uh, later on to understand um, other aspects of this atrocity, for example, the separation of parents and children in systematic ways. Again, uh, looking at one topic from very different angles, looking at state propaganda accounts that were boasting about, oh, how it was beneficial for the children of parents in study centers, a euphemism for the intern vocational internment camps, uh, to be separated from their parents, both are studying, etc. Then, of course, there was um, numbers of preschool construction, preschool enrollment, uh, other statistical data, uh, policy documents. So it's always important to, we have witness accounts like Mechegol Toson, very important. Uh, witness accounts often uh, spark or give the early indication that there's something to be researched, uh, something to be looked at. I think every research initiative that uh, has been conducted in relation to Xinjiang has been initially been prompted by some kind of witness account or, or by a visitor account, very important. The only exception to that was my most recent research on forced labor in Tibet. There was no, no witness account at all. Mm. But um, the system was so well known from Xinjiang and it was basically an adaptation of the Xinjiang system. It was fairly straightforward to look at mm -hmm. the evidence and and, of course, there also we had, so you have the policy documents, you have a lot of official higher level government documents that speak about a framework, but then also there you always have the local, the propaganda accounts, the local media from county level, etc. They sometimes, or in the Tibetan case, they more or less replace the witness accounts. Uh, they provided some detailed evidence, even photographic evidence, you know, of Tibetans being trained in military drill with military uniforms, very similar to the coercive vocational training in Xinjiang, etc. So um, that's kind of how this went. Um, and then my most recent research on uh, birth prevention, so-called demographic genocide, raising questions of 
genocide actual or however construed um, again heavily relied on uh, government documents on the government's own statistics which which have been very honest and forthright and helpful interestingly and i think the government simply thinks that um the government is simply kind of boasting on its success it's reporting on policy fulfillment um which for them is good news and for us it's it's evidence of a crime against humanity so that's how that works really mm. um and of course they're also we had witness accounts we had you know first uh, of course birth prevention has been going on in china and in xinjiang for a long time but uh, we had some uh, very pertinent witness accounts of much higher levels of coercion of women into birth prevention sterilization etc ID, iud insertion uh, in relation to the internment campaign um, published in in major media outlets in 2019. So let me jump in here because there's again I'd like to, to you're mentioning many aspects of what's going on and I'd like to get into that in a minute but just to get a sense of the big picture we are I, the the former panel spoke about the the situation uh, uh, in East Turkestan as the worst human rights issue of our right now of our times. When does this start? I mean, you mentioned 2017. We read that it is uh, 2017 is is a, an important date. Yet, Miss uh, uh, Tursun was was talking about being interned in 2015. So, when when does this actually? When does this program from the Chinese government really get going? Yeah, so <clears throat> you had first the first mention of the concept of de-extremification, uh, explicitly framing um, sort of, you know, the, the religious context as uh, a major problem to be tackled in a systematic way, and then linked with the concept of re-education uh, or transformation through education, which was adapted from the brutal in brainwashing of the Falun Gong, you had the first mention of that in 2013. Okay. You then had a key year was 2014. In 2014, you had the first mention of dedicated facilities for re-education, even a three-tiered system at county level, township level, uh, village level, um, in, in pilot areas, so not, not everywhere. This was like being piloted. This was gradually growing. The other key thing you had in 2014 was the first year of the village-based uh, work teams. Uh, tens of thousands, about 70,000 cadres being sent to go from homes to home to live with Uyghurs, very intrusive, um, for several months and then report back. Uh, that started in 2014. And these work teams continue to be instrumental. Those work teams were very instrumental in developing policies, in identifying persons for internment, um, and 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 then to watch people who are being released from internment to keep an eye on them. So 2014, then the next important year was 2016. Of course, everything was ramping up. 2016, you had a new party secretary, Chen Chuenguo, who had extensive uh, experience in setting up uh, social surveillance, police system, etc. in Tibet. The first thing he did was ramp up police recruitment, build a ton more checkpoints and police stations, neighborhood police stations, uh, created a complete police state in preparation for the campaign of mass internment that started in spring 2017. So you had a police state in place. Uh, so in case there was a huge uproar over the internments, 
uh, you had the manpower, the technology on the ground to respond immediately and, and early warning. And then in 2017, you had the mass internment campaign. Uh, also, the birth prevention campaign really ramped up in 2017. 2018, forced labor policies, move into forced labor. 2019, uh, desecuritization of many camps, uh, people from camps being released increasingly. Doesn't mean camps are closed. or uh, Some camps were closed, but uh, others were actually being expanded. At the same time, in 2019, many Uyghurs being put into long-term prison. So you now have a move into the next phase in 2019. And with a normalization of the way things are looking and appearing, so you prepare for outside visitors telling them, look, everything is fine here. Visible police presence reduced. 2020 invitation for the United Nations to come and look, look, everything is fantastic, uh, etc. So we, that's the phase we're in now. That's okay, let me ask you one more question <clears throat> for now before I get uh, come back to to Miss uh, Tursun. Um, uh, what you mentioned government documents that, that that's the basis of a lot of your research. How does the the Chinese government uh, talk about this? Obviously, they're not saying uh, writing down cultural genocide. What what? What is their their justification for all of this? Their justification is de-extremification, uh, changing, transforming minds, meaning the Uyghurs have, uh, are said to have severe mental problems. Islam is like a virus of the mind that causes... They talk about Islam as a virus? I'm sorry? They talk about Islam as a virus of the mind? That's, that's, they talk in those terms? They write that? That's, that's part of their documents? Yeah, that's a bit more hidden. That one you have to search a bit harder for. That's a little bit more circumspect. And then you, in the official documents, a bit more indirect. But then you have like publications from the Youth League, etc., uh, on the Chinese internet that say that more explicitly. But the de-extremification as in, in uh, controlling or getting rid of certain religious thoughts, that's stated quite explicitly. But then you also have to see some of the key insights we have about the whole thing are from... Uh, confidential internal leaked government documents that were leaked to the outside. The China cables that describe how the internment camps are to be run and the Karakash list. The Karakash list showed in detail how they evaluate the danger of religion, how they appraise somebody's connection to religion. Did they pray? Did they go to the mosque? Did they fast? What did they learn from their parents? Etc. Uh, and, and that whole thing in the Karakash list that was published in February 2020. Those were some key insights from non-public government documents. Miss mm -hmm. Turson, let me let me turn to you and and go back to your story. Uh, you said you were you were interrogated for hours at the Beijing airport when you came from from Egypt. What what were what were the questions you were being asked? What, did you feel that they they wanted to find out about? Islam, your religion, how religious you were. What were the questions they were asking you? Yeah, the, the first when I when they take me to the question room, they ask me because um, I every time when I come to Egypt, I wear a scar, and then when I come to uh, near to Urumqi, uh, the airport Beijing, I take off my scar because in my passport, Chinese passport, I was out scar. So I come without scar, and they ask me, so uh, do you study in Egypt Islamic school? I say, no, I study in British University, uh, business administry for bachelor. And this, uh, they, they ask me, of course, uh, uh, 
do you wear Islamic clothes? And I say, yes, in Egypt, I wear Islamic clothes. But in my country, China is my country, I wear normal clothes. So he asked me, like, uh, do you do you know reading Quran? Do you pray? I say no. If I because I know if I say yes and the, the eventually I want to, I want to help my life. I say no. I don't know reading Quran. I don't pray. And uh, he say okay. Uh, so and then Zinoa, how many Uyghur you know? And as her study more than like Islamic Center study more than three hundred Uyghur here. Do you know name? I say, I don't know. I don't know any Uyghur and I don't have any relationship. And he said, do you attend any political uh, fighting in, in Egypt? I say, no. Do you any tell uh, Egypt government about any China, any information? I just say, no. Like, and uh, show me a lot of people picture. Do you know this? Do you know this? I don't, I say, no. Then he, he asked, do you, what is your parent, mother name, sister, brother name? They, they are Islamic. They are praying. They were a uh, scar. Do you have anything Quran? And they check my phone. Do you have any Arabic app in your phone? Do you have any picture for Arabic picture? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and then they check everything my phone. They find one picture in my uh, university uh, outside. I take selfie picture and the bag have writing this British university, the English and the upwriting Arabic. Then they ask me, very angry, they say, have your Arabic words. I say, this is school name. <laughs> this is school name. And then they say, okay, show me your document. So I, I give them, show my old school university documents, and they angry, they angry, start angry. They are have writing Arabic words. Why you bring Quran? I say, this is not Quran. This is Egypt. Egypt uh, people speak Arabic. They are, this is their language. Mm -hmm. So, and, so, so then yeah. they accompanied you, if I got this right, they accompanied you back to East Turkestan and at that moment they put you in prison, is that right? Yeah, 2015, March 13, yes. And what did they say? How did they explain that you were going to be imprisoned? No, they don't want to explain anything. They just say, comes us, ask a question in the in airport question room. After that, they, they ask all this information, my brother, sister, all information in my university teacher, even address in my business school, some student address, uh, name, they take everything. After that, and then I just ask them uh, because I need to see my kids because they are hungry about more than three hours now. Uh, so like they say, okay, and someone coming, my um, stick my mouse and give black hood and give handicap. I don't know where is it taking after I open and I am in prison. Mm. And uh, the first day, uh, three day and the night, they ask uh, like, like crazy question. <sighs> yeah. Like what? Yeah, like same, same like uh, why you study? Why you study another language? Is this is uh, your country, China, and you must be learning Chinese? I said, yeah, I learn Chinese. I go Egypt. Uh, government give me the passport. I go with government uh, with this passport. He said, okay. Why you love another country? I said, I don't love another country. I love my country. Okay, you love your country. Why you stay in China? Why you go? You want to choose another country, mm -hmm. and why you under learn another country language? Um, so you met, so you said you mentioned I think you had, there were sixty eight women in the prison you were were the, these all women that had left the province left China uh, or what what was there a common a, a reason 
the 68 women, the same reason for all the 68 women to be in that prison? Uh, can you? This is first time is 2015, March 13. I was in Urumqi prison. That time we have more than uh, uh, 34 or 35 women. Uh, someone is from come from Kazakhstan. Some from someone from go another country for tourists and for uh, for Saudi Arabia goes this religion uh, praying and uh, some uh, like this. But in in prison inside prison we cannot ask any people person name even why you coming here. We cannot because they have in a prison four place have camera, two place have. Uh, take our voice and the uh, 24 hour light is open. We cannot talk in each other together anything. A second time, 2017, April 17, they take me second time detention camp. I was in the church in my city. That is, is prison number two and 210. That time I was a 68 woman together. And uh, that time 2017 is more torture, more people. So in this present, I just know about I writing my book inside. 13 or 14 woman name. And another name we don't know. Because every woman when we go when they go to prison, they, they take off all his clothes, check first in hospital, I take us his hair. After that, change him clothes, prison clothes. So every woman prison clothes back, they have number. Mm -hmm. I am this uh, uh, second time, my number is 40, uh, 50, 54. So if I talk someone, if I do something, they see and speak. Uh, 54, stand up, why you speak? Or they speak like very bad words. They don't never spell our name. They spell our number. Mm. So all the time, but sometimes some women flow down and cry on when, when, he, when we are like when we are reading book, uh, learn book that time, and we put in the book our face and the, what is your name? Why you cry? You say, oh, my, my name is uh, Patem Gul, oh, my name is Aisham Khan. Like just when small, small words, we just know, yeah. Mm -hmm. You mentioned we don't, that. Have, we don't have any freedom talk each other and then touch each other, yeah. yes. I, I understand. You mentioned something about injections every 14 days was, was that, what were those injections? Was that sterilization? What what were they for? What did they do? We are, we are uh, I, until now, I don't know. And when I come to the United States, the US government take from me blood, everything, and the Zeno result, I don't know. And I check some blood, but uh, here, because I have a lot of English documents when I come to the United States, I don't know English, I just learn now. So I don't know what they are writing. Mm -hmm. So now in my body comes something like so big, uh, I don't know, I cannot show you. It's like a very big place, like mm -hmm. strong, like yeah. I have in my body like seven, seven places have like this. I don't uh, know. Yeah, like it's very big. And you think that's a... a yeah, I don't know. Like about seven places when they are start very small, now they are big like uh, yellow egg inside so big and my seven place have this one i don't know maybe this come from injection or from what okay yeah and, uh, yeah uh, thank you I, I'll, I'll i'd like to turn to dr zentz right now do you mentioned forced sterilization what do you make of what uh, uh mr soon is, is saying would, would that be sterilization do you think um unfortunately 
hard to say because uh, we do not know um, what exactly was injected or given. There's different reports about oral medication, uh, about injections. Some of them, we know that, um, for example, in prisons and detention centers, there are several, there are testimonies about um, that one effect of the medication is to make people just lose any any sort of thought of the outside world, any motivation, they become very robotic. Uh, it's almost like a sedative uh, with some other psychological, so there's like psychodrugs. Then there are drugs that uh, reportedly uh, stop menstruation or affect menstruation or cause bleeding. Some of that might uh, tail with uh, Western drugs that we know that uh, can have these, can have a, like a, a birth prevention effect. Of course, it'd be like it's possible that they give drugs that um, well, prevent pregnancy, although, uh, of, of course, only uh, there are some reports that um, detainees who had the opportunity to have conjugal visits with their husbands or their spouses uh, and had to take a pill beforehand. It's a very complicated situation and lacking exact details about the drugs given makes it somewhat hard to assess. Of course, if somebody uh, is, is being uh, put through an actual surgery uh, where you insert an IUD or, or it, it's an actual surgical procedure. Those things are easier to assess than uh, drug injections. Mm -hmm. Also, drugs can have side effects that sterilize, which may or may not be the main intended goal of these drugs, or are they giving drug cocktails? So, Right. So um, it, it would be safe to say that more women are, 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 are uh, being uh, detained and, uh, than men because... If you're going to control a population, I mean, you start with the women uh, and the sterilization being part of what they would need to do to uh, to hamper the, the the population. Do you? Are, what are your figures telling you about um, uh, the numbers of women as opposed to men? Are the children being interned, etc.? So we actually have some data. We of course have data from uh, uh, victim databases um, like that collect testimonies quantitatively, but I also was able to obtain some internal government lists from local counties. Um, they all consistently indicate that about uh, 80 to 90% of those detained are men, which is consistent, uh, mostly heads of households, which is consistent with the goal of cultural genocide, of trying to take out any influences, uh, heads of households, and really break them or take them out of the way for a while or for a long time even, um, in order to then then you can do, uh, it's also then easier to do with the women what you want. So a lot of the sterilization is not necessarily happening to women uh, inside camps, although of course it could, but a lot of that um, is happening through the regular family planning system. So when we look at what's going on in Xinjiang, we really need to look at also what's going on outside the camps and the prisons. Mm -hmm. And by that you mean uh, what exactly? Well, the, the the whole society has become a police state and and a lot you know you have government you have family you have a, a huge family planning infrastructure with clinics that can perform any kind of surgery in in every place you have village work teams that go to households and ask questions detailed questions including about family planning mm -hmm. um, you have police everywhere etc so this is the infrastructure outside of the internment system that is doing a lot of the work at the moment including mm -hmm. for birth prevention Back to you, Ms. Tursun. Um, when you when you got back to um, East Turkestan uh, uh, and after you came out of prison, in between the times you were in prison, 
did you read, you know, Dr. Zenz is de describing a police state. Did you discover a very different place from what you left it, when you left it uh, to go to Egypt? Was it very different? Uh, sorry, can you ask your question again? Yes. I don't understand. I, like Dr. Zenz was just describing how uh, East Turkestan has become a police state over yeah. the, you know, be, slowly beginning in 2013 and, and more so since 2017. When you arrived in 2015, did you see a difference from the moment uh, you, I think you were away for a couple of years? Was there a big difference when you came back? Yeah, yeah. Uh, when I came back, like, they are start like uh, more police in outside. They put like uh, some keys and then stay in the police. Like they are already want want the fighting somebody. Yeah, and the, and the every like two hundred or three hundred meter have the police uh, state. Like they say Gongting. I don't know how to spell English. Yeah, and then they will every uh, people uh, and the every two or three uh, to road and the cross road. They are police have taken his hand like something like. Uh, iPad something as they check people ID and the screen and they ask like where is your uh, like card like they are like they speak green card but they are like some paper and they check this paper have a point people have point red point a yellow point and a, uh, like black point or green point mm -hmm. so that meaning as they say if uh, and after, because I don't have ID, I don't have anything. So if I want to go to any market and if I go outside from my home to another uh, road or like this, so I must be, because police no give me my ID, my passport, my phone. Of course, in uh, back with me, I have two police with me if 24 hour. So they check a card, give me your green card. So I give them green card, they scan, they understand, ah, you are black, uh, black point. So black point is blacklist people. So red point is little bit uh, like uh, uh, take care, like little maybe dangerous mm -hmm. like this. Yellow is we will check this people. Uh, how about this person? And the uh, green point is uh, she is safety people. Like this meaning. So this uh, you are black point. Where is your police? You cannot do anything. Like uh, my black point is more than dangerous and up. Cannot mm -hmm. do anything. All right. Um, and what about? Uh, re-education programs. W were you in prison? Were you? Were they trying to re-educate you uh, to be a good Chinese uh, citizen? Uh, is that happen? Was that happening as well when you went back? Actually, in this education camp, in with me, my camp. When I enter this camp, I meet with. Uh, I see here in my uh, middle school teacher. And in our uh, church and hometown, uh, country hospital manager, she's name is Rabia. She studied in the England in British. She's mm -hmm. a bachelor degree. And right. some of teachers, some of bank worker, my neighbor daughter, they are all have good study, good education people. No need to, no need to re-education. They give us to prison. We are every day reading like, uh, we love Chinese Communist Party. Is the Chinese Communist Party is our God, and Xi Jinping is our God. They give us this life, and uh, if no have is Chinese Communist Party, we don't have like this uh, a beautiful country. We just learn about this. And when when you I imagine when you came out of prison, 
especially after seeing nine women die around you, you must have wanted to uh, talk to your family about leaving uh, the, the province, no? About going somewhere else? Is that even possible? Did you discuss that? You know, from 2014, last time I talked with my mother, father in the phone when I was in Egypt, what I like eat, what I want to do in my uh, personal thinking. 2015 to until when I left from my hometown, I don't have any talking with my mother, sister, because I go to prison outside from prison, have two police with me 24 hours where I going. And at my home, every one week, two Chinese men stay 24 hours, every one week they change new person. So I go to prison, I have torture, even my mom, sometimes she cannot ask, where's your hair? Why you so think? Why your mouth blood have come blood? What happened? Your body is blue and green. What happened? What happened in prison? No, no ask. Sometimes I get so pink. I, I cry. I go to bathroom. I open washing machine. Our washing machine very older. We buy 100 RMB. I open without water. He have voice, big voice. So I, I told the police, I go to bathroom. And he is at home, my home, of course, with my parents together. I go bathroom, open this washing machine because the Kondo have voice. I put my head inside. I scream. I cry. Oh I need to somebody asking me what happened. My mom cannot touch me. My, my mom all the time stay far away. She cry. She cry and then she cannot speak. Mm -hmm. So when I come to the United States, when I testimony in Congress, the Chinese police call me and then they let my father mother talk. My mom cry. She say, please come back. Where are you? You are Egypt, I know. Please come back. Don't tell anyone what happened for you in Egypt, in China. China love you. They take care of your kids, take care of you. They don't do anything bad. That time I told my mom, Please, mom, dad, forgive me. I, for last time, from 2015 to until now, I lost you. I lost my father, mother, because I get tortured, I get beating, I kill my son, I have shit, and then I, the beating my ear, I lost hearing. I have a lot of thinking. You are my mom, never asking me what happened, what you see in prison. You cannot ask because you worry from Chinese Communist Party. Yeah. Uh, they kill every day different women. They give every day too much women take her off clothes, give a torture, barking dog. Mm. I have a lot of bad thinking I see in prison. I want to talk to you, but you cannot ask. You, I cannot talk because it's a police with me at home. Now I want to tell you, your daughter lost everything. Let your daughter like that. Forget, forget me, please. I just say like this. So let me ask you, um, it, 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 what you're describing is, is, is really very harrowing and one understands that this is the one of the worst human is, uh, rights issues. How did you manage to leave finally? How did you manage to get away? From, from China, yeah? Yeah. Yeah, 20, uh, this has happened as 20, uh, 2017, October, they are taking me a number three time to present. They give me change orange color clothes. They say they have already the hand all document. They are uh, want to give me 
that sentences or life sentences, if I am good with them, if I give any good information for Chinese government, if help Chinese government, maybe they didn't want to kill me, they give me all life and stay in China in, in prison forever. But if I am not good with them, and they, I have only one month's time to chance to think about, and after one month, uh, they give me that sentences, and I have choose to three way that, like with gun that, or with medicine, or with uh, like, uh, I don't know this English, put... Uh, oh, a loot. A loot. Yeah, yes, yes. So if they, and they explain, if you choose with gun, we will shoot you with three times gun. Every one, one shooting, you pay three, uh, six, 600 RMB and you need signed paper. I, I think like, it's like crazy, you know? I think, okay, what do you like to do me? You can kill me anything what you like, but I don't have anything to say to you. So I was in prison that one month. So I think a lot, but after I pray in my side in prison, because I don't want dead, I I think I want life, but they want to kill me. I think I, I, I am only 20, 27 year old. Uh, God gives me only this life. I just, I got no have justice. I, I pray, I cry. And then after that, uh, this 20, uh, 2018, uh, after January is November. February. Yeah, yeah, minus two. Yeah, February. February, two police, uh, my hometown is, uh, Immigration police, they coming, ask me, where is your, uh, this um, was Elena, this, uh, they change, they give him Chinese citizen birthday certificate. And they say, we want his father name because in certificate only have his name. So I told him, like, my kid is not born in China. They are born in Egypt. They have Egyptian citizen. And my kid is not two, they are three. They, you killed the one. And my kid is, they have passport. They come to uh, 2015 to Mar uh, March 12th in China. They have a uh, six months visa already expired to before uh, two year. If you killed me, if you do anything for my kid is, uh, maybe in Egypt government give China problems. They will uh, one day ask about where is the three kid is. So that was, so that was how you got out. Yeah, so, I told them, and then they are so shocked. Like, how? Where is your kid's passport? I told them in my home place, and they find. Then they see the, the kid's is passport is expired already before uh, two years and uh, four months. I say yes because Chinese give me a present. I go to immigration about my kids. They didn't listen. They didn't want me enter police station. So what can I do? I cannot talk with anybody phone. So this is your hand. Then they directly contact with Egypt embassy in Beijing. Okay. Yeah, they contact, they say, I have two Egyptian uh, kids, two year and a half, take them to Egypt. So Egypt embassy, okay, send them passport. And in Egypt passport have father, mother, and the others, everything have their passport. So Egypt embassy, they contact my kid's father in Egypt, send let them coming to uh, in Egypt. After the Egypt embassy, this is enter, four people enter together, mother and the three kids. Where's another kids? Ask, ask. After that, they, they bring my uh, kid's father from Egypt to uh, Beijing, and then Beijing to Egyptian embassy, and then my kid's father, they are coming to church and prison. 
So one day, so the police say, you need to go outside and go to hotel. And the uh, three Chinese women and the two Chinese men, they take me to one church and small hotel. They give me, change my mom. They bring my mom clothes. They change my clothes and they start giving makeup. They say, don't say anything, don't do anything. Uh, we want to meet you someone, but don't tell them you are in prison. So I don't understand what happened. Then they give me police station. I see this uh, three Egyptian uh, guys, embassy, and the one my kid's father. And I, when I see them, I cry, I scream. And the police say like this, and then I stop. But I, I know speak Arabic, so I directly tell him, please help me. I, I was I, I was come from prison. They want to kill me. I, they just take me from prison and they give me makeup, bring here. And then we're uh, going to have to keep it shorter because we, we're yes, running yes. out of time. So the, Egypt, yep. the embassy, the Egypt saved your life. In fact, they came to your rescue. Is that it? Yes, my my kid is uh, father. They saved and the Egypt embassy saved my, my life. Yeah. Right. Uh, Dr. Zenz, um, is there anything that you're hearing that that uh, surprises you at all, or, or is this all well known? Everything that that uh, Mr. Sun uh, ex uh, described. So herringly, is this all, you, you, you're very aware of all these details? Yes, I of course have um, seen and read her testimony and um, there are many stories like this. Of course, they're all slightly different, but harrowing stories of escape uh, one way or another, um, dramatic testimonies, uh, it's, it's, yeah, it's unspeakable, and there are numerous cases, some more dramatic than others. Ms. Torsons is one of the more dramatic stories, <laughs> not the only one by any means. Yeah. It all fits into the big so picture, what, too. Um, you know, it is a huge issue, and unfortunately, the world is really not on top of this. It is not a very well-known issue. Um, there's a lot of uh, ignorance about it, and there's a lot of indifference, uh, I suppose. What do you think is important to, for people to know? Like, what is the, the, maj the, the, the major thing here? It, it, first of all, is the situation getting worse? Or have, have the Chinese been a little bit, um, you know, uh, obliged to, 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 to be a little more uh, less intervening? Uh, or, or is it just full speed ahead uh, in terms of this policy? I think we have to assume that it's full speed ahead. Uh, I think the Chinese are doing entirely what they want to do, um, besides some cosmetics here and there. Um, it's safe to assume that things are very bad. Um, truth is, we have very, very limited information about current state beyond government documents and satellite. Uh, we do know many are now languishing in prison. We, we know for sure many have been sentenced to uh, some very long prison terms, uh, 10, 20 or more years. Um, so, And others are in, uh, caught up in forced labor. But the, the worst thing is the inability to express grief and being stuck in the police state of Xinjiang. Even if you're out of a camp, you might be in a factory, you might be wherever you are. But it's, it's, it's an ongoing trauma. And uh, I think that's that's the reality. Mm -hmm. and, and, and a word you mentioned... Um that in 2019 there was a next the next a new phase to this uh, to this whole campaign uh, that next phase do you mean by the labor uh, taking 
the the Uyghur outside of the province uh, and and putting them in various factories and and enforced labor uh, in various parts in China is that the phase you're referring to? It is on the one hand forced labor, a small part of which gets transferred outside the province. Most of it stays in Xinjiang, and uh, sort of uh, many from the camps are either put into forced labor or sentenced to long prison terms. But then there's a, the internment system is very complex, not just the vocational internment camps. So there's, I think, all kinds of people stuck into other forms of internment that have nothing to do with vocational training. Some of them are going to be processed into vocational training. Others are going to be put into prison. It's, I think we still have an ongoing processing uh, going on, but, but that's the transition I talked about. Okay. And what decides if they're going to keep them in prison, keep uh, a, a Uyghur in prison, or have them uh, doing forced labor in, in factories? Is it what, what is, decides that? Uh, the performance of the students, like, are they confessing? Are they are they are they being re-educated? Is the re-education successful? But also, I think there's a real indication that the more important ones, the more influential ones, religious figures, community leaders, artists, academics, many of those seem to end up with the long prison terms. They want to take them out for a long time uh, so that society can be modeled in the image of the Chinese Communist Party. It's especially the more simple ones. The lesser educated, the less influential ones who are uh, who are more being sort of released into forced labor, etc. Mm -hmm. Broadly speaking. And my last question, and I'll open it up to to people who might have a question. You know, the list of of the companies of the global companies that are having that are involved indirectly with the forced labor is quite impressive. Everything from Nike to mm -hmm. Google to Volkswagen, uh, Victoria's Secret. Do you think that? Um, that is a, a possible avenue of consciousness raising. Uh, how are these companies reacting to the fact that if they like it or not, they're involved with forced labor and re-education programs? Uh, do we know anything about that? I think uh, the forced labor issue is one of the most strategic issues to, to, uh, to work and to, to advocate and to lobby and to pressure China. Um, because there's yeah it it, it economic it has uh, economic leverage okay. so I think this is very uh, very significant more Thanks. research needs to be done on it too okay since we only have two minutes left let me get back to you uh, Ms. Thurston for the last question um, what 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 do you hope to see what 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 do you what would you like to see uh, do are, are you some do you think something can happen. Uh, or what is your feeling right now about your country? I mean, your your home province, really. I yeah, I feeling because, uh, like me, I I go from present. I have like mental pro problem now. I I getting for night Mary and for morning is one hundred fifty five milli medicine from five milli start until now 50, 155. I have a lot of problem, stress, depression. I have panic attack. And now I feel more good. I am in safety country and there are people helping me around me. But in, in, in my hometown, maybe in everyone, if go to detention camp or prison, they go outside. A lot of people dead and a lot of women, they are same like me, lost, uh, give uh, baby because I am lost. I cannot have baby because I take hair mm -hmm. because the roses. I lost my hearing, 
and uh, I I hope to see my parents afterwards, my brother, sister, and uh, see my homeland when like before and my child that time like this because now they change a lot. People not talk, cannot talk together, cannot go anywhere, and my hometown like totally changed from mm -hmm. 2015 to until now. Mm -hmm. I hope to go back like when I am small time, this homeland, I miss this homeland. I hope the Chinese stop, close the camp, and give our return back our homeland. Right. Well, thank you so much. That, that was quite an eye-opener, I must say. I, 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 it was an incredible um, uh, testimony. Thank you very much uh, to you, uh, Ms. Uh, Torsen for 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 your courage and for speaking with us and Dr. Uh, Zenz, thank you very much for for your work, and please keep it up. Thank you.